And welcome back, Offsiders, to episode three of Offside Talk. My name's Nims, and I am here with my co-host, Fats. How you going, Fats? Yeah, pretty good. How about you? Yeah, pretty good, man. Uh, week two dusted. We're in week three for the EPL, and um, week two for every other major league, I think. Yeah, was, well, I reckon all the major leagues are slowly starting to get into their second weeks. There was a few shocks this week regarding a few of the major leagues around the world, so let's get straight into it. I agree. Uh, we'll start off with the EPL, if you like. So the first game this weekend was Arsenal versus Burnley. Now, Arsenal walked away with the three points. Uh, Burnley did give them a slight run for their money, but I think Arsenal did what they did best at the Emirates. You saw the first goal with Lacazette. He really worked hard for that goal. Yeah, you could you could really tell Arsenal came out to win that game. Um, like you said, I think Burnley did give them a bit of a run. Um, there was times where they, they pushed on, put the pressure on. Um, Look, it'll be unfair to say that Burnley's goal was was lucky, but I mean, it was a shot that didn't go where it was supposed to, landed right in front of him, and all he had to do was tap it in, really. A goal's a goal at the end of the day, and that, Arsenal walked away with the three points. That's right. And, um, while we're talking about Burnley and Arsenal, I just wanted to bring up some of the statistics around these individual plays is pretty um, amazing already in round two. We've got Ashley Barnes, who's on three goals and two appearances. He got one goal this week, obviously, against Arsenal, and he got two goals last week. But um, also, Eric Peters from Burnley, he's got two assists in two games. Um, he's been a standout player for me this week. I mean, he's not a player you think you're going to talk about at the start of the week, but good for him and good for Burnley. Well, Burnley did get off to that big start against Southampton, beating them 3-0 in the first round. So a loss to Arsenal can also be seen as expected, but if they can keep their home form, I think they should be okay. Yeah, they. I mean, they they had the good signing, so they're just doing what we sort of expected them to do at the start of the season, I guess. Now let's move forward to the European champions. Your team, Liverpool. They were away to Southampton, which I consider Liverpool's B team, considering you guys bought half their team over the last couple of years. Now Liverpool did walk away two one out of that game. I think it was an easy game for Liverpool. They did have a bit of a fright with Adrian um, stuffing up in the back, I should say. Yeah, big and stuff giving up. Him a bit, um, giving them a tap-in. They could have almost equalised Southampton. There was a bit of a scary moment, but Liverpool walked away with the three points. And to be honest, I think if the goalkeeper didn't give them that slight scare, Liverpool would have cruised home. Yeah, I think so. I think the, the, the scoreline makes the game seem a lot closer than it actually was. Yeah, you're right about that one. Liverpool had almost two-thirds of the possession. They had 15 shots. I know Southampton did have 14 shots, but if you look at Liverpool's shots actually on goal, they were, they were more of an attacking threat. Yeah, and um, I think as the games go on, Mane's starting to show his true class again. He's going back into form. Obviously played well in the um, European Super Cup and playing well this week, getting himself a goal. Um, I think Liverpool's hitting that second gear that we saw them get into last season. Now, Fats, we had the um, game of the round with Man City against Tottenham. and The, we, the champions. Yeah, the champions. Uh, before, last week in our last week's podcast, we talked about how Man City might be out for some blood, some vengeance um, after being knocked out from the Champions League last season. What did you think of the game? Well, if you actually look at the stats in that game, I mean, that was as close as to a FIFA game that you can get. I mean, Manchester City had, what was it, 30 shots? Mm -hmm. And Tottenham had three. I mean, if a normal Manchester City day for them, they could have easily walked away with six, seven goals. I think if you played that game 
nine times out of ten, Man City's winning it. You just had that one off day, and Lucas Mora, I think, was the big game changer. They subbed him on within 30 or 45 seconds. He scored a goal from the corner. Uh, Lucas Mora, in my opinion, is probably the the player for Tottenham at the moment. You have Ericsson, you have Kane, but it's Mora that's doing all the changes. I've always said that if Mora was on in the Champions League to start up with, it would have been a much different game in the Champions League final. But Man City, they did. Some people say they got robbed with the VAR decision, but the video is clear. It hit Laporte's hand, and I know Jesus scored. He had a bit of a rant, but it's a handball at the end of the day. I think it's the irony as well of what happened in the Champions League game last last year. A handball yeah, decision be, again. Of course, they, as, a, as a City supporter out there, you would be upset by that. But these are the rules. And you have to deal with this now. Yeah, and we, we saw those goals get disallowed last week and we talked about how the rules had come into effect and it's only going to be a matter of time before it becomes natural and people don't complain anymore, I think. I think what Guardiola said after the game sort of makes sense. He wants consistency. Yeah. Now, moving forward, every handball that's a similar situation needs to be called. The VAR needs to call it. Because if you don't, you're going to have problems left, right and centre in every game. And we've been saying this since uh, episode one. If you're going to bring in these rules, consistency is key to keep everybody happy and to make it fair on everybody playing. But Man City dropped two points at the Etihad as well. So it was advantage to Liverpool and Arsenal. Yep. Um, Who are currently the only two teams that haven't lost yet. Now, Fats, at the start of the season, we talked about Wolves being a potential upsetter of big teams this season. Uh, I think we saw them start to do that this week against Man U, the 1-1 draw where Man U dropped two points. Uh, What did you think of the game? I think Man U actually came out pretty well. Um, Yeah, we did give Wolves the maybe top six position. Sorry, the sixth position, I should say. But... Man U did really come out. It wasn't the same Man U that we saw last year. Pogba did miss a penalty and there was a bit of an outcry as to why Rashford didn't take that penalty. Now Rashford pretty much came out and said he earned it. Let him take it. He Pogba owned up to it. He missed. But we got to move on. I think what Manchester United should do is if there's a penalty, you go to your penalty taker. Simple as that. Now Rashford, he's young. But every penalty he's taking, he's taking like a pro. He did take the one against PSG in the Champions League. He did take the one against Chelsea at the at round one. So if it was me as a manager of that team, Rashford would be my number one penalty taker, regardless of who owned the penalty. Now, you pointed out pretty much this is the goal of the week by Neves. Yeah, Neves, new signing. Shows his class. I mean, I was excited when Wolves initially signed him. And I think that goal shows what he's all about. I don't think any keeper in the world would have saved that. Now, Wolves drawing to Man U is a big thing. Because when more teams start to head to their home ground, they can sort of start to build a fortress out there. Now, they're not shy of making signings. They have a great manager. And I think a bit more gelling and a bit more... A bit more time for them. I reckon they can be a, the force that we think that they're going to be. Yeah, and no, we, we said at the start of the season, and I think we all agreed on it, we said that if 
if Wolves win those easy games, those so-called easy games, take draws in these harder, difficult games, then they're going to find themselves on, on that table. And I didn't have Man U on that top six table when we did it initially at the start of the season. And I think this game showed that I could potentially be right. Now, Nims, my biggest disappointment so far has been Aston Villa. Their, their game against Bournemouth was their first home game for this EPL season. Now, there was two horrendous mistakes by Aston Villa. I mean, the first uh, the first one was a penalty by the keeper. Uh, the keeper should not have been there. You have a defender right next to you who's following the attacker and you decide to just trip the player. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And um, if even if you find yourself, I think, in a position like that as a goalkeeper where you've been caught out of position, you're not supposed to be there, that ball was clearly going out. He, had, he did not need to make any contact with that player. Yeah, it looked like a brain snap, but that second goal as well... Aston Villa, just no communication. Now, the ball took a heavy deflection yeah, it's off quite the shot, lucky. but they shouldn't have had that shot to begin with. Yep. And it was a major defensive error that led to that. So deflection or not, they did grab a stunner of a goal in the second half, top right corner, mm-hmm. but they just fell short now. Do you think it's a matter of the team not being bonded well yet? I reckon give them a bit of time, they're going to gel. They, did, they are the highest spenders this EPL season I think it was 130 or 140 million pounds they have the money to spend they have the time to fix it I reckon the wins will come and I think the the fans just need a bit of patience at the moment now Fats the biggest disappointment in my opinion this season I mean uh, we could have sort of seen this coming with the transfer ban and stuff like that but um, Chelsea Chelsea on one point after two weeks you know haven't got the three points yet what do you think? I'm going to disagree with you that one. Um, I know I am a Chelsea supporter, but I think what Frank Lampard has inherited is the hardest task for any manager since Abramovich bought the club. You have a transfer ban, your best player left, and you can clearly see that there's problems in the team that you can't fix. Now, people say you have 100 loanies and et cetera, et cetera, but do any of those loanies actually fill a void like Eden Hazard? Do they fill a void where you need that John Terry-like defender? Now, he's running Zuma and Christensen. Zuma and Christensen only worked because they had a Louise and a Terry next to them. You put both of them together, it doesn't seem like anyone's running that game now Frank Lampard knows that he knows that's an issue can he fix it no not this season I think the fans know this and I think the club know this which is why I don't think Abramovich will have that quick trigger like he's always had eight games seven games in you're not in the top three you're out I think that mentality is is understood when it's a write-off season and I think that's what Frank Lampard initially looked for and spoke to Abramovich before he signed was it is a work in progress and he needs to deal with it. Now, the game against Leicester saw the exact same Chelsea that we've seen throughout every game that they've played, whether it be the Super Cup or whether it be the Premier League. They played amazing in the first half, couldn't put the goals away and paid for it in the second. It's... And I reckon Leicester were unlucky to take that game in the second half. Chelsea just need, they need to sit down and figure out what is the issue in the second half. 
They get the ball in the first half. Pedro stepped up massively. But whatever happens in the second, whatever happens in that changing room, it's like a whole mentality just changes in the second half. And they really need to figure this out. Now, they do have two two main players that are injured at the moment, which is Hudson-Odoi and Loftus-Cheek. Now, Hudson-Odoi is a big game changer. He did rupture his Achilles, I think, four or five months ago. So it was actually shocking for me to see photos of him in training. Now, anyone that's done their Achilles will understand to be running and kicking a ball within four months is an amazing achievement. Now, Loftus-Cheek still has a lot to go, but I reckon with these two players back and... This, I don't know where to start with the defense. I really don't. I don't think Ross Barkley should be playing in this Chelsea squad. I think he's more of an FA Cup, League Cup, or when you're playing Champions League and you're versing a team in the bottom half, then you put him on. You leave your players to be energized. Now, I'm having a bit of a rant here, but even I understand that Lampard needs time. Tammy Abraham needs time. All these players need time. Like Mason Mount needs time as well. He's taking shots. They're trying. It's just this second half. And I think Frank Lampard has the experience to sort that out. And our viewers can see how much passion that Fats has for the Chelsea team. Not only his passion, but the knowledge he has. Um, obviously, Fats speaking with experience of an ACL injury there. And you could, uh, you guys can't see, but I can see the passion in his eyes. Um, do you think that there's trouble between Lampard and the players, Fats? I don't think there's any issues. I think it's more frustration. It's a, it's a team-generated frustration. We can do well. Why aren't we? And I think if, if Lampard had the ability to sign a player or two, he would have signed a defender. And with um, the racial slurs that were happening this week, do you have anything to say about those? Look, whether it's the Chelsea fans, whether it's the United fans going off at Pogba or whoever it was that was going off at Pogba, Racism isn't part of football. You're going to have dickheads out there. You're going to have idiots out there saying all sorts of things. They don't represent the clubs. They don't represent football. They don't represent anything to do with sports. They're just dickheads. And I hope that they get caught. I hope that somehow, whether it's comments on Twitter or whether it's actually at the game, they get caught, they get banned. Ban them from the game. Simple as that. Yeah, I agree. Racism has no place in football. Not only in football, in any sport. And I think... Any um, sport and anywhere. I, I don't think a person's race has anything to do with how they're playing, what, they're, how, what their performance is like, and it needs to stay right away from our game. Exactly right. I mean, you had, the, you had certain... I'm not even going to call them Chelsea fans. You had certain people going off at Tammy Abraham for missing that penalty. But if you scored it and won it for you, you would have loved him. Yeah. So you can't just pick and choose. Oh, I hate him because of his race, because he missed a penalty. Everyone misses a penalty. Messi misses penalties. Ronaldo misses penalties. Even Hazard missed penalties. They didn't go off at him. And it's it's the fucking twenty first century, man. Like, what is going on? Exactly right. But hopefully they can figure a, figure something out. Figure a a way to get this out of football. And I think FIFA's, you know, for the last few, for a long time now, they've had to say no to racism and, you know, even in the video games. Um, hopefully it's it's breeding out this older generation and bringing in a generation that's, you know, tolerant and, and not racist. Okay, Fats, just to sum up the week two results. So we had Wolves and Man U drawing. 
We had Chelsea and Leicester drawing one all. Uh, Sheffield beat Crystal Palace one nil. Man City and Spurs drew two all. Southampton lost to Liverpool two one at home. Norwich one at home three one against Newcastle. Everton one at home one nil against Watford. Brighton and West Ham drew one all. Aston Villa lost at home to Bournemouth, and Arsenal beat Burnley two one. Uh, quite an impressive win there for Norwich, 3-1 against Newcastle. Now, that will link with my player of the round, actually, Puki. He, he walked away with a hat-trick. I believe he's got four goals in two games now. Now, he did score against Liverpool, and then Norwich did have a bit of an off game against Liverpool. For anyone that's actually watched that game, that scoreline doesn't really represent how Norwich actually played. They did get off to a bad start. But this player... Has been amazing for Norwich at the moment. He did score an amazing goal against Newcastle. That wonderful volley into the top left corner. Um, four goals, two appearances. You don't expect that from a player from Norwich. No, not a... I mean, he wouldn't have been on anyone's target list or any of ours at target list at the start of the season. And um, just looking over his goals against Newcastle, they weren't tappings. I mean, he, he had to work for those goals, so... Good stuff to him. Getting a hat-trick, well done. Yeah, 29 years old. He's from Finland. So shout-out to Puki for the amazing performance against Newcastle. And hopefully he doesn't do the same thing to Chelsea this weekend. <laughs> now let's move on to some of the big leagues that started over the week. Um, we can start off with the League One with PSG coming off with a shock loss over the week. They were away to Rennes. And my standout for that game was Eduardo Camavinga. Now this kid is 16 years old and ripped this team. I mean... I reckon he just put himself on on everybody's radar. Now, PSG is going through a bit of a, a media circus at the moment with Neymar. Barcelona, Real Madrid, who's he going to? So I think that's playing a bit on PSG at the moment. He has started to train with the team, but I think PSG should recover from this loss. And yeah, hopefully this, this Kamavinga player is one for the future. Yeah. Now, moving on to the German league. Bayern Munich with a shock draw. They were held at home and the champions just didn't get off to the start that they expected to. Now, Dortmund took over in their for opening round and won 5-0. Now, I, I think we both did actually. We both predicted Dortmund to take out the Bundesliga this year mm-hmm. and I think they're... This, the start that they needed, they should be able to take it. Yeah, and also we talked about how there was no fresh blood really coming into this Bundesliga. But, um, of course, we've got the transfer of Coutinho, well, the loan out to Bayern Munich this season. It's a big transfer. I mean, it is a loan at the end of the day, and I do believe that they have uh, a buyout clause. It was in the £100 million mark or something like that. Um, it is a, it's a big signing for Bayern Munich. Whether it's the signing that they need to give give the team a bit of energy, I'm not sure. Coutinho hasn't been the same Coutinho that he was at Liverpool. I mean, when Coutinho was was playing with Sturridge and Suarez in that, was it 2015-2016 season or 14-15, he, he was he, defender's nightmare. So hopefully he can. Hopefully he can reflect or hopefully he can show up even just a slightness of what he had at Liverpool. I think Bayern Munich have a, have a good signing there. Yeah, I, I, you took the words right out of my mouth. I think a big signing for Bayern Munich, but I think it's a big signing for uh, Coutinho to show what he's made of, um, get himself back up there, and maybe the German league is a league for him to show himself a little bit. Oh, look, I don't think it's the signing you wanted. I mean, you are, you're moving from a team 
that was that has probably the one of the best players of all time. Probably the best player of all time. You got Messi, Suarez, now you got Griezmann, and you don't fit into that team. Oh, so I, I don't know if if that's the signing you wanted or he would have rather fought for that spot. Maybe the manager told him, you're not in my plans at all. Yeah. So, yeah, going back to Dortmund, I reckon Dortmund, with their 5-0 win, are still sticking with it. They're going to take out the Bundesliga. It is the first round. Anything can happen. Any any team can flop injuries. But excellent start by Dortmund. Yeah, good, good stuff to them. Now, the Spanish league. Barcelona got off to a horrendous start. They were the champions last season and an overhead kick by Ed Ruiz. That player had an amazing reception when he walked into the locker room. There's a video on, I believe, the club's Instagram page. Every every player lost it. I mean, a goal like that against a team like Barcelona, a team that we believe would win the La Liga, it is opening round. But I believe it sort of shows Barcelona without Messi. Now, Messi is not 28, 27 years old anymore. I think Barcelona might have the same issue that they uh, that Real Madrid have with Ronaldo. They, they have a player that is irreplaceable. I don't think Neymar will do what Messi would do if Messi was ever to retire. But a bad start for Barcelona, do I reckon that they will pick themselves back up? I don't think any football fan would say otherwise. So, But a, a loss there for them is not a good start for them. Now, two teams that did take advantage of Barcelona losing was Atletico Madrid and their heavy rivals, Real Madrid. Real Madrid walked away 3-1 victors away to Celta. No hazard, but Zidane's opening round back into La Liga got the three points. Pretty much said shut up to everyone who had speculation about them, really. It is away to Celta. I mean, we're going to have to see how they go once the game starts to build up. Let's see how Hazard works. Now, Hazard isn't the replacement for Ronaldo. He's not the goal-scoring machine like Ronaldo. So when he comes on, I'd really like to see how he performs for Real Madrid. Now, my standout player was for Atletico Madrid, Mr. Felix himself. An amazing dribble that won him the penalty. Morata did what he did best and missed that penalty, but he did end up scoring the goal that gave him the three points. Um... That player is one for the future. I think when Ronaldo retires, Portugal's attack is in safe hands with that player. Now, Nims, Turkish League. Galatasaray got off to a horrendous start. Yeah, I think it was a round for champions to start losing. I mean, in the many years I've been watching Galatasaray play, that was the worst game I've ever seen them play. I mean, there was absolutely no midfield. I mean, they are missing the center defensive midfielder in Fernando, who went to, of course, Sevilla. Um... They've got Enzonzi coming back in this week, a uh, new transfer from Roma, of course. But that midfield was shocking. Um, there's obvious, obvious problems between the whole team and Jagne, the striker, who who won Galatasaray the penalty early on in the game. Uh, Selçuk missing the game, uh, the penalty, of course. Um, and questions for Fatih Terim. I mean, you're playing Selçuk Inan. The fans have had enough of him. I mean, there's no doubt that he's a club hero. He's your captain. But I don't think there's a place for him to start in the first 11 anymore. I think we need to start bringing on some of these younger players. Um, Emre Mord came on. Um, impressive to see him. Dominated the midfield really fast. I think out of all the 11 players, he was the only one who wanted to play. Even Muslera, the goalkeeper, was out of form. Um 
So this week will be maybe a, a different team out there. It will be interesting to see if Fatih Tatum goes with Jugna up the front again or whether he's going to go for Ryan Barbel. Uh, now what about the other few teams, the, the majors of Istanbul? Um, you have Besiktas, Başakşehir. How'd they all go? Uh, Besiktas lost 3-0 to Sivas Sport. I mean, Sivas has a very, very strong team this year, in my opinion. Um, but pretty much Sivas got up 1-0 in, in the first half and then finished them off uh, 3-0 at the end. So Besiktas, heavy, heavy loss away from home. Um, Başakşehir... Bajakshir also lost 3-0 to Malatya Sport. I mean, Malatya Sport did uh, make it to Europa qualifiers this year, so they finished strong last year. And surprising team because they were a team that were newly promoted. Um, Bajakshir out, but obviously Bajakshir have lost, you know, Emre and um, a few other key players. Uh, Trabzon Sport drawing to Kasim Pasha away from home. The only real winners of this round were Fenerbahce, who won 5-0 against newly promoted Gazi Sheed at home. Uh, two penalties. I mean, it was good to see Vedas Mariki scoring his first goal um, and Nabil Dara coming back in strong. Uh, good start for Fenerbahce, but I think we need to keep our hats on here without being biased, of course. Gazi Sheed is a newly promoted team. You're playing at home and, you know, but... We are, look, we are Gazi supporters, but I think... When Galatasaray and Fenerbahce were doing really well, when they were neck and neck in the Turkish Super League, we can really see their performances in Europe. It was the reason why we have two Champions League spots or had two Champions League spots, one with the direct qualification and one with the qualifier. Now, those two teams were the ones that represented Europe. Mm -hmm. We do have Besiktas who did go in once in a while, but it was... Fenerbahce who was causing problems in the Champions League. It was Galatasaray causing problems in the Champions League. So as much as as a Galatasaray fan, you don't want Fenerbahce to do well. But you also want them to come back so they represent Turkey in Europe. That's right. Okay. Obviously in the league, we're all going to hate each other. At the end of the day, it's 90 minutes. They are your rivals. But in Europe... We really need to bring that Turkish coefficient back up. Yeah, definitely. And become that that strong teams again, where people were frightened to come to Istanbul. Mm-hmm. Now, just before we finish up with the Turkish league, there was a major signing for Trabzonspor, Daniel Sturridge from Liverpool. Yeah, exciting. So, I think if Daniel Sturridge can stay fit, amazing signing for um, Trabzon. His his injuries is what made him the player. That he is, unfortunately, which is you, they can't rely on him. They can't put him on. Do we give him 90 minutes and hope for the best or do we put him on for 10 minutes? Hopefully he scores a goal and gets the three points. So we're going to have to wait and see, but it's an excellent signing for them. Yeah, definitely. Any player coming into the Turkish League from the EPL is going to be good to see. Now, as some of you might know, we are running a prediction comp between the three hosts, Nims, Fats, and Ohms. Yep. Now, round two finished, and it was a major catch-up for you and Ohms. Yeah, I, I don't know if it was a catch-up or you just flunking really bad this I think week. it was just a really shit week for me. <laughs> um, Ohms walked away with 50% of the predictions, right? Five out of ten. You walked away with four, and I, I was a horrendous three. I think the draws really got to me. Yeah, but um, there were a lot of games that were draws this week as well, so it was a little bit hard to judge them. So apologies for anyone that's actually following our tips and tipping in your own comps and using our tips, but 
hopefully we can get better predictions this week. <laughs> yeah, take our predictions with a lot of salt, a lot. Now, before we touch base with our predictions, we'll just touch base on Ohm's predictions, who's currently overseas still, I should yep. say. Now, we do have Omar picking Everton over Aston Villa, Chelsea to beat Norwich, Brighton to draw against Southampton, United to walk away with the victory against Crystal Palace, Watford to beat West Ham, uh, Leicester to win away at Sheffield. Now, the big game, and he is a Liverpool supporter, he has put Liverpool to beat Arsenal, Bournemouth and Man City, Man City to take that. Tottenham to beat Newcastle and Wolves to beat Burnley. Now, a lot of wins there for him, but we're going to have to see how the round predicts go for him this week. Yeah, uh, I was just um, following his predictions with mine, actually, as you were reading them out, and a lot of them are really, really similar to mine. Do you want me to go with mine, Fats? Yeah, go for it. So Aston Villa, I've I've tipped them. Um, They've let me down. I mean, I think they should win against Everton, but I've got them down for a draw. I think they're going to need some time to mesh. Norwich and Chelsea, I've actually got a draw. Sorry, Fats. Uh, I think Chelsea's still trying to find their, you know, winning gear. Uh, They're away from home, and Norwich has been great, in my opinion. Uh, I've got Brighton to beat Southampton, Man United to beat Crystal Palace, Watford to beat West Ham at home, Sheffield to lose to Leicester. I think Leicester will take this one out. Uh, I've got Liverpool beating Arsenal. I've got Man City beating Bournemouth. I've got Tottenham to beat Newcastle and the Wolves finally to get a win against Burnley. I think mine are a bit different to both of you guys, actually. I've got Aston Villa to draw with Everton. I think Aston Villa might start to gel and start to annoy a few teams they are at home so I think they might walk away with the draw now as a Chelsea supporter I cannot tip Chelsea to lose or draw against Norwich I know Pookie is going to play amazing but I've got Chelsea with the win Brighton I think is just gonna keep doing what they do best at the moment which is grinding out points they won their opening game and they drew away so I think at home they should be able to beat Southampton Uh, United to beat Palace uh, Watford and West Ham to draw. Watford haven't gotten off to the best of starts, but I believe they might get a point at home. Uh, Sheffield and Leicester, a draw there. Uh, before I touch base on Liverpool Arsenal, I'll go to the other three games, which is City to beat Bournemouth, Tottenham to beat Newcastle, and I reckon Wolves and Burnley will be a draw. I know Wolves are at home, but Burnley's hasn't played bad. They won 3-0 at home and they lost 2-1 away to Arsenal. And I think Burnley's defense is... is it's not something to just push over. Now, Liverpool and Arsenal. I've got Liverpool to win. Now, I know Arsenal have done um, a, a really good transfers, and we have highlighted that in the first episode of our podcast. But every time Arsenal go to Liverpool, Liverpool do what they do best and hammer them. It's as simple as that. Um, I remember, actually, one of our listeners was saying it to me this week. Um, his name's Ali Farhat how the front three for Liverpool absolutely destroy Arsenal every single time. And I believe it was the the last game or the game beforehand where Arsenal actually went up and then they ended up losing, I believe, 5-1 or 4-1. So I think Liverpool will take this out easy. I think Unai Emery is in for a bit of a bit of a headache come this weekend. So just before we conclude, now we've got the Premier League table. Now looking at that, we only, like you said earlier in the podcast, you've got Liverpool and Arsenal. 
who have 100% records. Six points each, yeah. Six points each. Uh, now, both Manchester teams sum up the top four. So you've got City and United following. Now, it is early days. You have Brighton as fifth spot. Um, whether they're going to be there, cause maybe a Leicester sort of upset. The odds are heavily against them, but we'll see. Um, Tottenham rounding up the top six. Now, the bottom half, you got Watford sitting on the bottom of the ladder, along with Southampton and Newcastle. They're all three teams yet to pick up a point. Along with Aston Villa as well. Now, Aston Villa with the transfers that they've done, I don't think will linger in the bottom half too long. I think the big problem would be Newcastle. Now, I'm not too sure if if many of our listeners are aware, but Newcastle is going through still the major issues with their owner. They are looking at boycotting games. They are expecting only 10,000 to come to to their next game. So I'm not too sure if Newcastle will do well this season considering all the problems that they have. But we're going to have to see how the games trail out. Like I said, it is only round two. The Premier League is not decided now. The men and the boys will be split come Christmas. So I think the way the top four is panning out at the moment, I reckon a lot of teams will start moving up and down. And I think that's it from us. Yeah, that's to sum up our third episode, Milestone. Woo, we made it to number three. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Offside Talk Official. We're now on Spotify, on YouTube, on Google Podcasts, wherever you are listening to us. Like and share. Tell, us about, tell your friends about us. And until next week, let's stay offside. Thank you very much for listening.